Our text for this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. You can find that printed in your bulletin or in a Bible if you have one. As you're turning there, um, what is it that you worry about the most? Um, what's the thing that, that creates that, that stress in the back of your neck and your head? Or that, that, it, that just sort of makes your stomach churn? What do you worry about? What keeps you up at night? Kids, what do you worry about? There was a, a study that came out about kids and worry last spring. And it said that um, 86%, 86% of school-age kids worry. That's the vast, vast majority. Most kids, m- most of, most of, most kids worry. And uh, for 64% of kids, uh, it's worry about school. Something school-related, which makes sense. It's a big part of your life. You worry about school. Uh, 41% of kids worry about friendships. Friend dynamics in the neighborhood, friends at school, certain people at school. Um, 33% of kids worry about family members. Maybe you worry about a parent or a sibling or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. Other things that kids worry about, uh, what they look like. Maybe their clothes or their hair or their body. Um, Some kids worry about being bullied at school. There's, there's other mean kids at school and they just worry about having to face them and deal with them. Some kids worry about being safe. Uh, some kids worry about like big things in the world like war or violence. You know, you hear something in the news and it just starts to keep you up at night and you just feel really worried about it. I was a big time worrier as a kid. I would always find something to worry about and I would even worry if, I, if there was nothing to worry about. I'll never forget my mom was putting me to bed one night. And I asked her and I said, I said, Mom, what is there for me to worry about right now? Because I, 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 there wasn't anything coming to mind. I was like, I just know there's got to be something. Surely there's something I can worry about right now. Adults, what, what is it for you? Money? Relationships? Dating? Marriage? Children or maybe not having children. What will my children turn out to be like? Uh, Job, job loss, job security. Um, Worry is a struggle for all of us. And and Jesus is going to tell us in this passage that we don't need to worry. And wouldn't that be amazing? I I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for us to get our minds around that. Just not worrying. Totally trusting God to where we can just be present in the moment and joyful. And like if we're like doing a fun thing, we're not worrying about the not fun thing that's just coming the next day or the next week. Where we're not, we're not afraid of what might happen or what, or what is going to happen. Um, we're in this series right now in the Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus' most famous teaching that he ever did. And, and he talks about in this sermon about what it looks like to follow him in, in the reality of our lives. And, and if you've been following along at all, Jesus gets into really personal things. He's talked about things like our anger and like how we're supposed to treat people we get sideways with. And he's talked about our sexuality. He's talked a couple times about our money. He's getting into just really personal, specific areas of our lives. And this morning he's going to talk about our worry. And so let me read this passage for us. This is from Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, We pray that you would speak to us now. Our hearts are troubled. Our hearts are worried about many different things. We want to trust you more. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and meet us. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two headings this morning that we'll think about this passage under. Uh, The first is why we worry. And secondly, how not to worry. So first, let's talk about why we worry. Jesus says three times in our passage very directly, do not be anxious. And the word anxious, it just just means worry. It means to, to be really concerned about something or to take great care about something in particular. It just means to worry. And it's worth noting, by the way, if you zoom out a little bit on the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, you may have observed this along the way that Jesus will frequently speak into something that we're not supposed to be doing. And he'll say, yeah, you know that thing that you do that you're not supposed to do? Yeah, don't do that. He'll just say it point blank. He'll say, that thing, don't do that. Do this instead. He does it here with worry. He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Um, To get to that point of not worrying, though, we need to understand why we worry. Why do we worry about money and jobs and relationship and kids and friends and the future and wars and politics? Um, We worry because we don't trust God. And I'm not trying to make that sound overly simplistic. um, But notice throughout the passage that Jesus is making a case for the very opposite. He's he's pointing out multiple reasons why we can trust God. Um, But but still, somehow, deep down, um, we're not sure that God's going to come through for us. Um, We doubt whether he has our best interest at heart. And, And if we don't really believe that God has our best interest at heart, who do we think knows what's best for us? We think we do. We think we know what's best. And ultimately, that's what sin is. Sin is a, is a really important Bible word that you're probably familiar with in some way. That's what sin is. It's thinking we know better than God. Genesis 3, I reference it almost every week. It's the third chapter of the Bible. It's where sin enters the story of the Bible. It'd be great to read later if you've not read that before. But it is so foundational to understanding yourself and life in this world. Um, in the garden, God said... Look, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but don't eat from that one. It's going to go well for you. Eat from any tree, just not that one. And what happened? The serpent convinced Adam and Eve 
that God was forbidding them to eat of this tree because God didn't want them to be like him. That he didn't really have their best interest at heart. That God was holding out on them. And so they start thinking, hey, you know, maybe we're right. Maybe we know better than God of what's best for us rather than him, him knowing what's best for us. And so they, they ate of the fruit. And from that moment that they ate of that fruit and disobeyed God, all of the human race, everyone in this room, every human to ever live has been infected with this deep-seated doubt that God doesn't really know what's best for me. That I know what's best for me. And that at its core, that's what sin is. And that is where our worry comes from. Another pastor once said that worry is fear that God will get it wrong. And it's hard to trust God. It really is. It's really hard to surrender to him. We think, you know, how can I know that God has my best interest in mind for my future? Or for my finances? Or for my career? Or for my college experience? Or for my parents and their health? Or for my future marriage? Um, that Our worry, it stems from this belief that God might get it wrong... Or at least he might write a very different story than the story that we hope for. And when that seeps deep down into us, what do we start doing? We worry and we try to control all the variables. And we make sure our plans and our story will win out. Uh, We were watching the, the Chiefs game last Sunday as a family. And it was a really close game. If you didn't see it. And uh, one of my daughters looked over at me when it was getting towards the end. It was super close. And she said, she said, it's so hard to watch the game when it's really close. Because we don't have any control over the outcome. And I was like, yes. it's exactly right. Um, we were longing for the Chiefs to win that game. That was our hope. That was our dream. That was, that was a story that we wanted. That was the ending that we wanted. And we had zero control over it. And so we just worried. And if you're a sports fan, you know that feeling where you're trapped behind the TV watching your team, where you're just like, you physically feel it in your body like you want so badly to like contribute to the victory of your team. But you just can't. You can't do anything about it. And so we worry. What are the things in your life where you worry God may have a different plan for you than the plan that you have or the thing you really want to see happen? Maybe you long to be married more than anything else. And you have this, this, this fear, this worry that God's going to write a different story. That you're going to be the single one. Maybe you've always sort of pictured kind of a financial outcome for your family. What life will look like. And, and, and it's starting to maybe look like it, that maybe is not going to happen. It's going to be very different than what you expected. Or maybe just despite like every effort, you know, to, to eat clean and, and live healthy, you just have this, this, this deep worry that, that God's going to allow some serious illness, some terminal illness into your life and it's going to cut things short sooner than you had hoped. Um, another way to get at this question of our trust in God is to ask ourselves, why am I following Jesus? Um, is it because I love Jesus and I want him more than anything? Or is it because Jesus seems like the best way to get what I want? Um, Paul Tripp says that it's very tempting to follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. He says this is what it can turn into. He says, what moves and motivates everything we do is not a submission to God's will. 
and a burning desire for His glory, but our own set of personal desires and dreams. We are excited about Jesus because we see Him as the most efficient delivery system for those dreams. Many of us come to Jesus today because we are holding on to our dream and we want Jesus to somehow help us to get it. Um, Worry will overtake us if it seems like Jesus is not giving us the dream that we want from Him. And so we don't trust God, but we trust in ourselves instead. Um, After I got out of college and started working, uh, a group of our friends signed up to play rec league basketball. Shout out to all the resurrection basketball teams, by the way. Seasons have gone great. Keep it up. Uh, I was playing in a community league after I graduated, and, um, and uh, I was never really a great basketball player, but my friends saw how tall I was, and they thought, well, surely this guy can play basketball. And I was like, you know, I am pretty tall. I bet that's really going to help me be a good basketball player. And so we trusted that my height would be enough uh, to make me a great basketball player, uh, height, I can speak for experience, does not make you a great basketball player. Um, in this rec league, um, so the, the problem with my game is that I'm a terrible shot. I can't shoot a basketball. If you've ever seen me after the service, you, you've, you've seen that in action. But, um, you know, I would, play, I would play down low under the basket, and I would hustle, and so I would get a lot of rebounds, and I would take the rebound right back up and try to shoot a layup. And so I'd get fouled a lot when I would try to make the layup And when you get fouled, you go to the free throw line and you shoot free throws, which is a problem if you're not good at shooting the ball. And so I actually, I was so bad at these free throws that I got a reputation in this league where the rec league refs, when they saw me get fouled, they would just look at me and laugh when I was walking to the line because they knew I was about to brick it off the front of the rim or maybe airball it completely. Or if I'm lucky, I would bank it in on a free throw. Uh, But but what happened? My friends trusted in in my height and me being tall. I trusted in being tall to, to... Try to play basketball. It didn't work out. Trusted in the wrong thing. Why do we worry? Because we don't really trust God. We we trust in the wrong thing. We trust in ourselves. All right. Let's talk about how not to worry. Um, Our worry will begin to subside the more we trust God with the very precious areas of our lives. And there are multiple reasons in this passage that Jesus gives us as to why we can trust him. And the first is this, that that we can trust God because he provides. You know, it's a a relatively straightforward argument that Jesus makes. Uh, Look, are you worried about provision, about your food and drink? Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds. Uh, They're not farming. They're not storing up food in barns. And yet God provides for those birds. And look, you're more valuable than the birds. So God's got you. He's going to take care of you. Um, the birds are not making the Costco haul. Do you know how good it feels to come home from Costco where you have to put stuff in the garage because you can't fit it in your normal kitchen? That's like this a crazy secure feeling, right? The birds don't go to Costco. The birds don't even budget to be able to go to Costco. Um, they just sort of look around each day and they think, okay, I, I'm, I'm hungry. We're, let's go get some food. And God provides. Then he talks about clothing, verse 28. You worry about the clothing that you'll have. Uh, Look at the lilies. They're beautiful. They don't fret about making and buying clothing. He says even Solomon, Solomon who would have had the means to get the best clothing possible, even Solomon with with all his means wasn't able to look as beautiful as the lilies in the field do. 
So he, Jesus is making this very simple argument. Look, look at nature. Look at the created world around you. God takes care of it. And guess what? You're even more important than that. You, uh, men and women, children, as image bearers of God, are the pinnacle of creation. God cares about you more than he does the rest of creation. He's going to take care of you. And he puts a point on it in verse 32 and says, look, God knows you need these things. He's going to provide these things. Don't make these things the main thing. Don't live for these things. Live for God first and know that he'll take care of you. Creation doesn't worry about these things. It's just automatic that the creator is going to take care of them and provide. I have one daughter who um, will always, always, always snooze her alarm every morning before school and will fall back into a very deep sleep. Uh, actually, she won't snooze the alarm. She'll turn the alarm off so it won't wake her up in nine minutes. So it's a complete alarm turnoff. And she goes back to sleep. And she does so without worrying about sleeping in and missing school. Why? Because it is a guarantee that her parents are going to open the door to her room, turn the light on, and make sure she gets up in time for school. It's just not a question. We will come in and wake her up. We'll get her there on time. We can trust God because he provides. He always has. He always will. It's not a maybe. It's not a question. God always provides. We can also trust God because life in him is bigger than we realize. It's bigger than we realize. Notice the, thing, the, the things that Jesus tells us not to worry about in this passage. He talks about not worrying about what we'll have for food or for drink or for clothing. These are basic necessities, things that you have to have to get by. And yet the very beginning of the passage he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying that there's something bigger even than these necessities that you think you need, that you need to be focused on. You know, as a pastor, I'm, uh, it's a real privilege. I get to do a lot of, uh, officiate a lot of weddings and do a lot of premarriage counseling. And, and so it's so fun to, you know, um, get, get to know a couple who's gotten engaged and, and walk with them through premarriage counseling and help plan their wedding ceremony and get to officiate a wedding. It, it's, it's such a great thing to do. And, um, and what I've realized is, is over the course of, um, you know, planning a wedding, you can, you get engaged because, because what? Because you, you met the person that you love and you can't wait to be with them, to, to be husband and wife and to spend the rest of your lives together. It's love that brings you together. And then you start planning a wedding and you just zero in on the details and you start thinking about, do we get a DJ or a band for the reception? Where, how are we going to do the catering? What's the venue going to be? Uh, are we going to do a seated dinner or are we going to do a buffet? If we do a seated dinner, who's going to sit next to Aunt Sally? Um, and and you, just, you just get so dialed into the details that, you know, you're about six weeks out from the wedding day and you think, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Because you're so stressed and you're so focused on these details. And yeah, you've got to figure out where, where to put Aunt, Aunt Sally. You've got to figure out whether you're going to have a band. Those, those are all, of course, you've got to think about those things. That's not the main thing. The main thing, though, is you're getting married. You get to spend the rest of your life with this person that you love. It's so easy to get dialed in and lose track of the main thing. All these are important things that, he, that we can worry about. Food, drink, clothes. Of course you've got to think about them. Of course you have to account for them. They're not the main thing we need. God is the main thing we need. Don't, uh, don't lose sight of God as you worry about provision and these specific things. Life is much bigger in God than we realize. And third, we can trust God because He's God. 
Uh, we recently hung a, a swing in our backyard. Um, this, it's one of those large uh, kind of saucer-shaped swings that you tie over like a branch of a tree, and everyone has one, it seems like, but they also seem incredibly dangerous. Um, it took me forever to finally get this swing um, out of the box and hang it because I was really worried about making sure I tied the knot securely uh, so that it would hold my children up and maybe even more importantly other people's children who were on this swing on our property. And, uh, and as with most things, when in doubt, I called my neighbor Matt. Um, I haven't talked about my neighbor Matt in a while, but Matt lives two houses down from me. And uh, Matt is the guy you call that knows how to fix everything and do everything. If it involves a tool, um, he's the guy to call. And so I called Matt, and Matt was so excited to come down and help. And so we hung this swing together. We had to get this giant ladder, and we, we leaned the ladder up against a tree branch, which that was a, that was a first. Uh, a little bit terrifying. And um, one of us, Matt, climbed up the, the ladder, and uh, he, sure enough, he ties the, the knot at the top, and then he, and he comes back down. We tie the swing on. And, and, and as soon as I watched Matt climb that ladder and tie the knot, I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm not worried about the knot. Why? I had complete trust in the one tying the knot. I've seen his body of work. He's like fixed our cars. He's helped us with all kinds of stuff around the house. He has a reputation of being reliable and fixing stuff all the time. Because it was Matt, I didn't worry. Um, the ultimate cure for our worry is to make sure our trust is in the right place. Uh, Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It means to seek first the King, Jesus, the one who rules the kingdom. Um, When I look out my back window and I see that swing, um, any concern about my kids' safety... um, I'm I'm instantly relieved from because I just remember, look, Matt tied the knot. Matt tied the knot. We're good. Um, When worry creeps in in our lives, real worry with those precious things that that you worry about, we need to remind ourselves, look, God is God. We're good. Uh, Because it's God we're trusting, we really don't have to worry. Look, we've seen his body of work. We've seen it in the Bible. We've seen it in our own lives. Uh, Think about how faithful and good God has been to you over the years. When you didn't know how something was going to work out. Uh, When you were sick with worry, look how God sustained you. Even when the outcome wasn't the outcome that you wanted, are you able to see God's goodness even in that as you look back? God is reliable. He has a perfect reputation of caring for his children. We can trust him. Now, here's the thing. One sermon on worry is not going to make us leave here and like we're just all we'll still worry this week this isn't going to fix us change is very 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 slow and very messy Um, change uh, the way that the scripture talks about it is not days and weeks it's not even really months it's years and decades it happens but it's really really slow um what will, uh, what will that slow years and decades change look like for our worry? What will lead us into deeper trust in God? Uh, we mentioned this earlier, but we were never meant to walk with Jesus alone. We, we need each other. Even to think about Jesus giving this Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he, he went and sat on this hill and his disciples gathered in the front row. 
So he's speaking to people who are living in community. This would be then circulated to, to, to New Testament churches, would be reading this letter later on, would be reading this gospel later on, and they would um, be practicing living this out together. Um, and so there is a community aspect to worrying less and trusting God more. And we already know this. You know how worry can be contagious? Uh, one of my kids had a teacher one year that was, this teacher was very concerned about the political climate in another country. I'll leave the specifics out of it. But this teacher was very concerned about the political climate in another country. And this teacher would come to class each day and, and would essentially voice her worries to this classroom of elementary age children about, about her fears of the political climate in another country. Uh, for which these kids had no clue about. And so my daughter would come home and be like, Dad, what is going on in this country? You know, so-and-so just keeps talking about it, and she started to get worried about it. The whole class got worried. Worry is contagious. But trust can also be contagious. Uh, I, um, a few years ago, I was on staff in another church, and I was working in as an assistant pastor, and this, uh, you know, the, the, we didn't have a, a screen like this with all the song lyrics and all that. We had bulletins and had all the song lyrics, all the word, all that. And uh, we didn't get the bulletins picked up from the printer. And so, and this was a lot of people were going to be in this worship service. And I walked in and we had no bulletins, which essentially meant like no worship service. It would just be like, you know, me up front singing or saying things. And I got super worried and anxious. And, and, I, and I, I walked into the senior pastor's office and, and I was like sort of panicked. And I told him, look, I don't know if we can do this today. We don't have any bulletins. And, and, and I just voiced my concerns. And, and I remember he just looked at me so calm, just unflappable. And he said, you know, I think the evil one might be trying to steal our joy with this. Let's not let him. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the bulletins. We'll be fine. And I could just feel my heart rate calming down. And I could feel myself becoming more calm. Because of his trust and his calm, it was contagious. Um... There is a sense in which we can process our worries and grow in trust with one another. Um, what might it look like for you to process your worries with a few others, a few other followers of Jesus who could be that source of calm and that source of trust for you? By the way, a neighborhood group would be a great place for this to happen. It doesn't have to be, but, but that would be an outstanding place. Where you can up, open up to just a few others about the things that really worry you. To be honest about the way your finances worry you. Or your job insecurity worries you. Or your future relationships worry you. Um, what would that look like practically? Well, it would look like getting to a place where you could honestly say those things. Where you could name your worries with those other people. You know, I'm, I'm just, I need to tell you, I'm just, I worry a lot about... Uh, my kids, or I worry a lot about my finance, whatever it is for you, just start by naming them. And if you're the one receiving that, hearing that, um, it means listening to their worries and taking them seriously. Validating that worry is something that, yeah, that makes sense. That's a big deal. Kids are a big deal. Finances are a big deal. Job security, that's, that's a big thing. To, to hear it and to validate it and to honestly pray for them and be with them and walk with them through that not try to just write it off. Oh yeah, I used to worry about that but then you just kind of get over it and realize it's not a big deal. No, you really hear them. Love them by listening to them and hearing their worries. And then to really begin to pray together about these things. To name them over weeks and over months 
about the, those things that are just crippling us uh, with worry and watch God begin to transform us and give us a deeper sense of trust together in Him. But that's what real change looks like over time. It's wrestling through this together in prayer before the Lord, opening yourselves up to each other and to God. Uh, that, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, the worries have subsided and there is a deeper trust in God at that point. So what do you worry about? And how can we really know that we can trust God? How do we know that he's really trustworthy? We look at the cross. Um, If you ever doubt that God has your best interests at heart, look at the cross. Um, Even when you're suffering, if you're in a season of suffering, even when life is going really poorly, actually especially if life is going really poorly, you know, we can say, uh, how can God be trustworthy if he's letting this happen to me right now? And we may never know the specifics of how um, God is being good to us, even in the midst of the hard things that we're walking through, but we know he is. How? The cross. The cross. The cross is proof that no matter how bad things seem, that God is actually at work for good. You know, Jesus' followers looked up at him on the cross and thought it was all failure. They, they deserted him because they thought it, it, it had, his mission had failed. But then what? The resurrection. Um, This was God's plan all along. He was doing something good even when it looked so dire. Um, We can trust God and not worry because the resurrection really happened. And this means that we don't have to worry even in the things in our daily lives. Do you see the security and freedom and joy that we'll experience when we actually believe this? We really believe that God is good and trustworthy no matter what's happening in our lives. You see how that would begin to transform us when that gets deep into our hearts? Uh, We will be so less insistent on getting our way, on making sure our narrative wins out. Because we we believe God's good. Uh, We will be so much more inclined to give generously of our time and our money, knowing that it's not ours. We can trust God to provide. Um, We won't feel the need to control conversations or to control relationships. We'll actually start listening to people. Because we trust God. Um, Do you want to be secure? Do you want to not be insecure? Uh, Do you want to be free, present with people, to love them? Do you want to feel joy as opposed to worry? Then trust God. Surrender your life to him. Uh, Surrender every day to him. Um, Even those precious things that cause you to lose sleep, what if you were to begin to sit with God in prayer and say, okay, God, um, I worry so much about... Um, my kids turning out a certain way. Um, get, in, in, enter into this. Help me understand what, that you're still good even if that doesn't work out how I want it to work out. That you will still be good to me. Help me to believe that. Where you really sit with him in prayer. God, if my finances don't shake out like, like I want them to, help me to believe that, that you're enough. That you're still good. Uh, you can surrender that to him. And because of the resurrection, we can wake up each day and say, okay, Lord, Whatever you have for me today is okay. And not actually just okay, but it's good. Not my will, but your will. You know better than I do. That's freedom. That's security. You don't have to worry. You don't have to control. You're free to trust God. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation. If you you already believe, trust him more deeply today. Be reminded that you really don't have to worry. Uh, If you don't yet believe, know that there, there is a life... Um, that is on offer to you, that is free from worry, 
in Jesus, where you can be really secure, the security can be yours. The sense of being loved and safe really can be yours. And over time, that'll chip away at your worry and you'll have more trust. It all happens by coming to Jesus. Why don't you do that today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us in Jesus that we don't have to worry. We can trust you. So we stand forgiven. We stand secure. We're safe in you. God, it's hard to believe. So much of life feels unstable. We have great plans for our lives we want to see happen. We worry about those things not happening. Give us a trust in you that's bigger than those plans. You're a good God. We believe. Help our unbelief. And even help us as we come to the table this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.